Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Yes, yes, here we are again. Uh, okay, folks, so uh, chaos reigns, uh, you know, uh, sparrows hang from perches as if they were bats. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> Listen. Plants, plants that used to be green are now blue. Plants that used to be blue are now orange. Uh, things are things are all out of order here because today we are going to uh, abandon the alphabet. <laughs> it's topsy-turvy time here. <laughs> no, okay, so we've been doing this series. We've been going along our list in al- uh, alphabetical order by Latin name uh, of herbs that are on the shelves in our apothecary here at home. But today we we do not uh, be be overborne by the tyranny of A to Z. Uh, <laughs> instead, we say, let's talk about linden. Let's talk about lemon balm. Why? I mean, for reasons. For reasons, right. Reasons. In in their common names, they are next to each other in uh, the alphabet. Here's the reason. Ready? It's hot and it's stressful. And these are two herbs that are calming and relaxing and cooling. And... Uh, it feels like it's hot and stressful for everyone right now. So it just felt like, let's just grab some linden and lemon balm and shower them on everyone in the whole world. Yeah, today's yeah. the day. So we're going to do that. But first, we're going to give you a quick, a quick reminder that we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States. So these discussions are for educational purposes only. We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So, keep in mind that we're not attempting to present a single dogmatic right way that you should adhere to. Everyone's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some good ideas and some information to think about and research further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, and it doesn't mean you're to blame for your current state of health, but it does mean that the final decision when you're considering any course of action, whether that's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, is always your choice to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, before we jump into Linden and Lemon Balm, mm-hmm. um, I just want to mention, you know, since we're doing a lot of this Materia Medica work here, which is, which is honestly, I think it, the series is so fun. I think we're only kind of like halfway through it, but mm. really enjoying just like getting nitty gritty about the herbs themselves. And so I just wanted to mention that if you are really enjoying getting nitty gritty about the herbs themselves, uh, you might like our family herbalist program. And we have um, created a new payment option for that program so that you can do the entire family herbalist program for $25 a month. And it's it's not a membership. You still get to keep all of the material. It doesn't expire. It doesn't disappear. Um, we just made a payment plan that extended so that it could be super low and more accessible to more people. So if you've been wanting to do the family herbalist program and it just hasn't been fitting into your budget, now you can. Plus, um, the way that we set it up was to also 
let it bring in a certain amount of information each week. And then each week you get an email that says, this is the information that's coming up and here's what we're going to do. And here are some recipes you can try and other cool things. So even if budget maybe wasn't a consideration, but you were feeling like, wow, that's kind of an overwhelming amount of information. And honestly, I would like it broken down a little bit. Um, then this might also be awesome for you because it just says, look, it's this week and this is what we're going to do this week and we're just going to do it and it's going to be awesome. And then you know that you're moving through. Now, listen, you if you get behind, don't worry because it never expires. You can always go back and watch it again. Or if you go on vacation, it's not like going to disappear because you didn't do it this week. It's just like a little different way of organizing so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming all at once. Mm hmm. Yeah, so if that sounds appealing to you, then uh, you can find that and all of our courses at online.commonwealthherbs.com. Yeah. Check them out. All right, so let's talk about linden first. Let's talk about Tilia species. And it's always written that way. Like when you see people write the names of their herbs, you know, a lot of times we'll put the botanical name after the, after the English or the common name, put it in parentheses. And for a bunch of them, you'll see the genus name, like Tilia. And then instead of a particular species name, you know, like officinalis or hastata or tomentosa or <laughs> any of the other cool, fun words that we get to say in our plant names, you might just see it written SPP period. So that means species and uh, it means plural <laughs> in this particular case. Mm. So what they're really saying there is uh, if I'm an herbalist and I'm saying I work with linden, tilia species, it means pretty much any of the species in that genus is going to do the trick. So there's like Tilia cordata, and there's Tilia americana. Tilia europea. Right, right. So a number of different varieties. But uh, so far, they all have the same kind of uh, activities and chemistries and herbal actions and uh, qualities and all of that kind of aspect to it. So that's kind of handy because linden is a tree that you find all over the place. Um, it's really popular in cities. Honestly, I don't know why, but it just is a very popular tree for urban planners to, to choose. Um, I mean, I can tell you lots of good reasons, but I don't think that my good reasons are their good reasons. And I'm not sure what their good reasons were, but, um, one of my favorite reasons is that it's, it, the flowers just smell so good. Uh, so I really love it, especially when you're walking around a city, it's summer, it's warm, it maybe doesn't always smell awesome. And then you just walk under this tree and you're like, oh my God, I could just stand here forever because it smells so good. Um, but, but because linden is a popular tree to be planted in cities, it means that um, this, is, this is a tree that you can really get access to um, in many, many places across the United States, but also in Europe. Um, and that is kind of cool, especially that it grows in cities because a lot of times things, you know, when you live in a city, you don't really have access to herbs that grow naturally that you could harvest. And, um, it's nice that linden is there. And I'm not saying that you should just go out and harvest all the linden flowers, but it's, it's awesome to be able to have a relationship with the plant, like have a relationship with these flowers when they are in bloom and you can see them and smell them. And don't worry, you can't harvest them 
all anyway. Like if you pick a few that are low enough for you to reach, go ahead. That's fine. Because linden trees are so tall that like actually most of the flowers you can't reach anyway. So you don't really have to worry about picking the, the handful that you can reach because there are so many up high. Yeah, this is a nice thing about trees uh, from which the the leaves and the flowers are the parts that we can work with for medicines, uh, for herbal remedies. And um, yeah, they're just very giving in that way, you know. You can take all you need uh, from a single tree and the tree's fine, you know, it's it's doing its thing. Uh, so that's a, that's a really nice kind of a relationship to have. And you can also have a long relationship with a single organism that way, right? It's like, this is that linden tree that I visit every year. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's nice too. Um, you know, linden is pretty easy to identify. Uh, it has these heart-shaped leaves, and I like to say they're heart-shaped like your actual heart, uh, as opposed to a valentine heart, because they're a little lumpy on one side, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's like a lumpy heart uh, shape you have, little triangular teeth uh, along the edges on at least most of the species. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you also have a, a pretty distinctive structure for linden that makes it easy to identify. So there's a there's the true leaves of the plants, like I was just describing. And then there's a second structure underneath called a bract. And that's going to be like uh, on its own little little um, stemlet, you know, between the twig and where the flowers are. So the bract is really part of the flower structure. Um, but on the linden, it looks very separate. And it looks like it's just a, a second kind of leaf that the plant makes. Yeah, it's a different color. So, yeah, paler yellow. Um, well, yellow or green, I guess you could say. Um, and it's like... A totally different shape. It's like a canoe shape, you know, long and, and rounded on the end, edges and all that. And the edges are smooth, smooth as edge. opposed to yeah. the toothy edge mm-hmm. of the actual leaves. The actual leaves are really dark green, mm-hmm. um, like really greeny green. Um, and and then these bracked leaves are very liney green. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 So, you know, that makes it, that makes it easy to ID. Um, from any any point uh, after those emerge, you know, then the flowers are going to develop, and then after that, they'll become these little, you know, they're fruits, you know, but they just look like hanging seeds. Mm. Um, but anyway, all of like for large portions of the year, it's really super easy <laughs> to identify your linden tree uh, once you see those those features of the the main leaf, their shape, their you know uh, their their margins, their edges, and then the bract as well. You're like, ah, right, we got a linden here. This is great. And then, you know, from that limey green bract leaf, it's not actually a leaf, but it sort of looks like one, uh, there is a stem coming from the middle of it that holds the flowers, and the flowers are kind of a a buttery, creamy white, um, and the smell is just utterly intoxicating. I mean, so delicious. You just want to wrap yourself in the scent of linden. For a while there, you had this linden perfume. That I was still really have it. Mm. I still have it. I So I was saying to a... Uh, I was teaching and I was talking about how much I wished that I could get perfume that smelled like linden because uh, it smells so good. And then a student in who was in that class actually brought me some linden perfume and I could not believe it. And um, so I only wear it on very fancy special occasions because I have no idea how I would ever get more, but um, it's, it's very fancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a nice scent. And you know, when you make, when you make tea with Linden, it is aromatic. It's not, 
Hmm. How to say? It's not aromatic the way lavender is. Uh, or the way, you know, sage or thyme or oregano okay, are. Okay, you know what you're, you know what this is? It, it doesn't have the sharpness. Yeah. It is very roundly aromatic. Mm. It's aromatic like vanilla. Mm. It's strongly aromatic. The scent is absolutely unmistakable. You brew a pot of linden tea and you can smell it across the house. But it's round. Mm. It's, it's like a, a very gentle, even if it is a strong scent like a an uh, unmistakable scent it is in no way hot it's mm. in no way piercing mm-hmm. and if you think about like a lavender scent or mint or thyme, like uh, peppermint or thyme there is like a little stabby aspect of that aromatic action but then mm. if you think about vanilla like that's a smell that's unmistakable and yet Round, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the aromatic elements of the linden they come through with its uh, fairly quick onset calming effects. You know, um, for nervous tension and nervous excitation or agitation, um, linden is a really excellent choice to relax, to calm down, to release tension, and also to release heat from the body. Um, Linden is one of a number of plants that we uh, regard as relaxant diaphoretics, and these can be really helpful uh, in the course of a fever if you wanted to let some heat heat off of the body, or, or particularly if somebody had a lot of tension and that was uh, preventing the fever from kind of running its course or working effectively. The heat is trapped, uh, the person's getting exhausted and worn out, um, we need that heat to circulate and move through the system. So that's one place we can work with relaxant diaphoretics. And then the other big place is where there's external heat, you know, environmental heat. So I'm, I'm thinking about August, uh, you know, hot, humid summer days like that. Um, that's a, a time when the relaxant diaphoretics can be very, very helpful to uh, open your periphery, allow the heat to, to release from the system, um, come up right out of you. And then you can feel calmer and cooler. And you know, uh, it's in the marshmallow family, the mallow family. And I think that that plays such a role in that calmer, cooler part. It is, it is moistening. It is cooling. It is like hydrating to the system in the exact same way that marshmallow is, except that it has bonus nervous system relaxant action honestly i think that marshmallow has some very nice gentle relaxing action on the nervous system as well yeah that can be that can be obvious or pronounced when someone's starting from a place of extreme dryness but it's there even for other folks you know what i mean yeah but i but but linden has that more strongly much more strongly uh and i think you know the uh, so much of that is coming from the aromatic aspect um but it really, like, when you are feeling, listen, actually, I'm I'm looking at, at the two of us right now and also listening to the two of us, and um, I, I am, like, really jittery and talking fast and realizing that I'm talking fast and trying to talk slower, and, like, I don't normally bounce my leg, but I've been bouncing my leg and just, just been really a little agitated. I'm in a good mood, but I'm, like, just a just jittery and you're talking 
what feels like really slow to me. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm like, wow. Too much molasses today, Rin. No, I'm just like, wow, babe, you're really calm today. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's actually a perfect illustration of Lyndon. Hmm. Is that when you are feeling that agitation, when you when you have that feeling like your nerves are buzzing a little, and it's separate from, like, you could be in a good mood, you could be in a bad mood, it doesn't really matter. But there is a little bit of discomfort around the buzzing, around the, like, jitteriness of the nerves. And, and you just are like, you look at people around you and they all seem so calm and you're like, how are you doing that? Hmm. That, that's a linden time that's a linden time yeah yeah it's a it's a very soothing herb and you know we we also often um uh talk about we we i don't know western herbalists generally speaking uh <laughs> talk a lot about linden and its capacity to calm the heart you know so when there's a racing heart when there's palpitations or a feeling of spasm or cramping you know in the heart uh then linden is a really really excellent choice there it conveys that relaxing quality to the heart muscle, just like it does to your, say, your jaw or your mm-hmm. your neck or your lower back or other places where you carry tension in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so linden is uh, right up there with hawthorn in terms of uh, herbs that we think of first for a, a pretty broad array of cardiovascular troubles. Pretty much anything in the, you know, hot uh, tense direction <laughs> um, yeah, so and with like, linden even even in the dry direction where where those are the the qualitative states of the cardiovascular system mm-hmm. yeah and especially i think that putting linden and hawthorne together really mirrors the intense um interwovenness of the neurological and cardiovascular systems mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. you really can't actually separate those two your heart itself, the organ of your heart, is a very high percentage of nerve tissue, actually. Uh, there's like like a whole heart brain in your in your heart, like a, an entire brain that's in your heart. And uh, a, a complex nexus of sophisticated neural tissue. That sounds really good. That's, <laughs> yes, does it sound fancier? Yeah. Look, it's a heart brain. Come on. It's a heart brain. <laughs> um, and uh, how do you define a heart brain? It's a complex nexus of, yes, that's exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if you only have one herb to cross through that weaving together, it's linden. But you don't have to restrain yourself to only one herb. It can be linden and hawthorn together. Um, two, great, two great trees that work great together. Yeah. Yeah, I think the fact that the two of them are trees is is a big part of like, oh, they should go together. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you want to know what else? Okay, if we're going to get really metaphorical and kind of poetic about these trees mm-hmm. for just a second. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Linden, um, Linden is a tremendously giving tree. There, um, There's a, a whole like ecosystem that lives in a Linden tree. This is true of all trees and plants, actually. There's this whole ecosystem of ants and aphids and, and, you know, whatever, living in this tree. And by the end of the year, actually, a linden tree kind of looks fairly ragged. The, the leaves are kind of, you know, nibbled on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, by the end of the year, you're sort of like, man, you've, you, you've had a whole year right there. Like, your, your leaves are not awesome. Um, and it's fine. It doesn't hurt the tree. Uh, 
it it just that the tree provides so much and and a great deal of that is food for its community but interestingly the wood of linden trees uh is extremely pest resistant also rotten fungal resistant um and throughout early american history was was valued for furniture making mm. um and in that regard it's often referred to as american basswood mm. um and i don't i don't think they pronounce that basswood i think it is pronounced basswood but like the fish not like the okay yeah i think okay. so all right cool um it's not like exclusively used for preparing bass guitars no 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 <laughs> also not fishnets like uh, i don't know yeah. although you can make rope out of out yeah. of linden yeah i was gonna starting to say like well even before that it was uh like one of the plants we could get cordage from right mm-hmm. You know, like take a, a linden log or a big branch and like soak it in the in a pond or a stream for a while and then it softens up the fibers and you can strip them out and weave them together and yeah, end up with a pretty solid rope. Yeah, it turns out that um, things with which you can make rope are extremely valuable in the world. But any, anyway, so so what I'm getting at here is that this tree is providing um, a lot for its community and also protecting its core, like protecting itself as well. like. Look at all this abundance I have to give to you, but this other part, that's not available to you. That That is me. That's the part that I need to protect for my own longevity, you know? And yet, yeah, these leaves, go ahead, eat them. I'll make more next year. It's fine. Mm. And so then when you think about Hawthorne, and Hawthorne, you know, creates a, a huge abundance of berries and yet it has these thorns and the thorns don't stop you from getting the berries. They just slow you in getting the berries. There aren't so many thorns that like you're going to hurt yourself picking unless you are like greedily grabbing. And, and again, it is like, I will provide abundantly for you. And also I will have some boundaries for myself. Um, so that I make sure I have what I need. And and so I think this this pairing of this um, great abundance, but not so much abundance that y- you lose yourself. Not, you know, I, I think that in our culture, m- many times, especially people who are, um, who have a heart of service, who have a... a um, like a desire or vocation to care for others feel like they have to always give everything of themselves. And, and we even learn that in, in our like mythology that like you have to give to everyone else before you have something for yourself. And that isn't actually sustainable, right? You actually do have to make sure that your own needs are met. Um, so that you can continue to be in service to others. And um, I think also that that right now, so much of the stress that we see is that because our community systems have been um, degraded and, and destroyed and, and everybody's kind of like out there for themselves, you don't necessarily have a network of neighbors to rely on. You don't necessarily have family nearby or even if they are nearby, they may not be 
emotionally available um, to to depend on and lean on. We don't have those social nets anymore. And so it's just like, we're out here having to do everything ourselves. Like, and it's just, it's exhausting. There's no, there, there is no feeling of it's okay if I need to lean back. There's an abundance that can catch me. Mm. And so we always are, are sort of functioning without a reserve. We're functioning without a net, basically. And these are two trees that have that net. They hold that for themselves. And they also are that for the community, the ecosystem that lives around them. And I think the way that they are able to be that for so many beings that depend on them is that they do reserve that that amount for themselves. Mm-hmm. So these two are so perfectly suited for that kind of stress and pain of feeling isolated, feeling um, like there's no one you can depend on. And, and that's a, that's a particular kind of painful stress and, and a particular kind of heartache and, here we have Lyndon and also <laughs> Hawthorne who can who can help with that. Yeah, nice. Maybe let's talk for a moment about um, some preparation options for Lyndon. So the uh, Lyndon leaf and flower together, and the and the bract as well that can be part of the part of the harvested portion here. Um, we can dry them. We can make tea out of them. It's really good in tea. Uh, you can make a cold infusion or a hot infusion of Lyndon. Um, you know, with your hot infusion, you are going to liberate more of those aromatics faster. Uh, and so you might get, um, better activity for that kind of nerve calming uh, effect. When you make a cold infusion, you get more of the moistening effects of the linden. So they're both worth a try. And, uh, it's good to experiment with, with those varieties. One thing, one thing that I really like to do there is make a hot infusion, put the lid on it tight. And then leave it overnight so that you get those volatile oils released, but you've captured them because the lid is on. And then you also get the moistening action released. And so that way you can, you can have the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. We can tincture linden. And uh, again, you could do that from fresh or dried, but as often is the case with aromatic plants, we would prefer to do it from fresh material if we can. Um, linden can also be infused into honey. And wow, was that great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again there, you could put the whole like leaf and bract and uh, flower all in there together into your honey. But there is something to be said for taking the extra time to separate out those flowers and just the flowers. Mm-hmm. Put them into your honey and infuse that. That is some good stuff. Yeah. And um, that, that preparation uh, feels very similar to elderflower when we infuse that directly into honey. I like to mix those two together, actually. Like if I have a an elderflower tincture and a linden infused honey, for example, then blend them into an elixir or, um, you know, two, both of them in honey together. Um, they're really uh, another kind of, you know, we had the sort of actions when we get hawthorn and linden together, but when you get elderflower and linden together, the actions are a little bit different. You get all the linden part, but then with the elderflower, you get 
a steam release. You get, <laughs> you know, like if you feel like you're going to blow your stack, if you feel like there's some rising feelings of anxiety or anger or fear or overwhelm, um, if you just can't take it anymore, like all those kinds of things, you still need the Linden aspect, the hug of, of the Linden. But the elderflower is giving you that like controlled release of the pressure that's built up. Uh, and I really, I really like that. Yeah. Plus that, that honey just tastes amazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, um, infused honeys are really, really fantastic for the summertime. Uh, uh, because you can just take a spoonful, uh, whatever size spoon is appropriate for you, uh, <laughs> of your of your herb-infused honey and put that into a glass full of some sparkling water um, or plain water, whatever you're into, you know, stir that up and uh, it's going to taste great. It's going to be uh, a good delivery method for mm-hmm. those herbs as well, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not quite as concentrated as like an alcohol tincture, but you know, it's, it's honey. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty lovely. Amazing. Pretty yeah. good on its own, you know? Yeah. Really an, an excellent syrup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about lemon balm next. Yes. Yeah. And you know, uh, lemon balm has that cooling action that when you're feeling like you're going to overheat, when you, again, when you, when you're feeling like you, you're going to blow your stack, like, like you're ready to blow that that uh is a a lemon balm time Mm -hmm. yeah i like to to think about heat stroke and things that look like heat stroke that's your lemon balm phrase it is (laughs) it is and it's your lemon balm bumper sticker (laughs) and and when i say that you know like we don't you don't work with heat stroke that often like really true heat exhaustion heat stroke that uh, it doesn't come up that frequently in sort of everyday life Um, a little more I guess if you live in the south but maybe not because you're in the air conditioning all the time but um, but the the emotional side of it the like emotional heat stroke for sure (laughs) for sure I feel like that is something that we are dealing with all of the time right now because what's heat stroke right like you're yeah okay you're hot you're 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 dried out on the skin your face is all red uh you're agitated it won't settle down and oh yeah combative that's, <laughs> that's the other thing that comes with heat stroke yeah <laughs> right it's uh no i don't need to get in the shade no i don't want any water right you know like, <laughs> so if you're just feeling that way even though it's not you know 120 degrees outside uh yeah. then maybe maybe some lemon balm could help you Right. And I mean, like, emotionally, it's 120 degrees everywhere right now. And Mm. so if you're feeling overheated, ready to blow and a little combative, uh, you know, that's not necessarily unreasonable. But it's also not comfortable. It's it's not a it's not a really efficient way to to move through your day. Um, And so that's a that's a place where a lemon balm can just be Mm -hmm. such a glorious assist. Yeah. You know, lemon balm is actually a really excellent digestive herb as well. And I feel like I personally um, uh, let my eyes slide right off of it towards my catnip. Uh, (laughs) Even though they make sense for the same kinds of indications and they actually taste really great together, um, including with other herbs that that might go into a gut heal formula uh, for someone who can benefit from extra aromatic relaxation. (laughs) <laughs> you know what's funny is that in our garden, they're right next to each other. Yeah. 
and oh they're so good if you if you have fresh leaves list like uh i do a two to one ratio i get two catnip leaves and i sandwich a lemon balm leaf in between them <laughs> and then i eat that and it makes me feel really good um you can determine your own catnip to lemon balm ratio uh, as you desire but that's yeah. what i like yeah <laughs> And you know, actually, these are these are if you want to do that, they're two very easy plants to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, once you get them started, um, you can just completely neglect them, and they're perfectly happy to they like they've got it from here. Like they're they're good. Yeah. Um, so if you don't have a lot of space to grow things, they both will grow happily happily in a bucket, and you can just put them on your front porch and eat a leaf of each whenever you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying, you know, for digestive purposes, you know, so this is a primarily a, a digestive relaxant. It has a little bit of a of a of a movement quality to it, a little bit of a mm, yeah, some stimulation, you know, uh, some some activation. So it could be helpful if there was a lot of like sluggishness. But the key feature really is tension. So I'd be looking for either tension with some you know excess irritation, a little excess heat. Lemon balm can cool that down. But even if there was a lot of tension and and because of that it had led to like a cold or a sluggish pattern, lemon balm could still be helpful there as well. You know how when you're in an airplane and you're going to take off and the flight attendants are doing the like, in the event of an emergency, you'll find the exits and they've got their fing- they're like two, two fingers mm-hmm. and they're showing the exits and whatever. Mm-hmm. You, y'all, I'm really actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. she's directing traffic down, I, the, I am. <laughs> down, the, down the lane. And, and I, you know, and then maybe you've watched a movie with a, with a plane crash or whatever. Um, or maybe you've had some real life situation where the flight attendants were called on to be calm in an emergency situation. But I mean, that is part of their job and, and they're trained to do it. And, um, I, I feel like that's a really good lemon balm analogy because when you are really tense, everything is really trapped. Um, and it isn't just that you're tense, but there's a great deal of anxiousness inside of the tension. It's not enough to just relax because then all that anxiousness sort of explodes inside you. It just goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to, you need to relax and then calmly exit the building. You know, right. <laughs> like, well, that's right. what we need that anxiety to right. do. Single file. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And so we just, it's like lemon balm is just shepherding. Like, all right. And now we will all relax and the exits are this way. All anxiety. <laughs> please move to the front. You know, <laughs> like whatever. Um, it, it's, it. That's where the motion is, I feel, in, in yeah. Lemon Balm. It is a very, like, calm, calmly exit the building kind of mm. motion. Yeah. You know, agitation uh, can manifest in a bunch of different ways. You know, it's pretty, <laughs> I was going to say, obvious for us when we're feeling, like, mentally or emotionally agitated. Maybe it's more obvious to the people around you. Uh, particularly if you're really busy or if you're distracted <laughs> or if you're just not really like pausing to tune in to, to your inner state. Um, fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just have to get this done. I'm fine. <laughs> so, you know, but, but agitation can also show up in other ways. And one example would be, hold on, a herpes outbreak. What? No, really. Uh, <laughs> 
Because, um, you know, agitation in this sense could be like the nerve itself is over irritated, over excited. And one of the ways that's going to show up with is some inflammation or some irritation in the surrounding tissue. And that might be the uh, opening that a viral infection needs uh, to get there in the first place or mm -hmm. to like reassert itself, mm -hmm. you know, if it's been dormant for a while. So when folks have herpes, um, any kind, you know, and by the way, if you haven't gotten the memo, um, the numbers for herpes virus, they, they're not about oral versus genital. It's just at this point, like it, maybe once upon a time, there was like a, a great dominance, like most of the oral was this number and most of the genital was that number. But it's it's been a while, and uh... yeah, like virus type or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The thing is that in this country, like if you're if you're listening to the pod in Europe or Australia or some somewhere that is not the United States, um, this part might seem a little weird. But in the United States, there is a real stigma around herpes. Um, the rest of the world seems to be pretty clear on the fact that like it's just a thing. It's part of the ecosystem. Like, most people are exposed to it. Most people have had a cold sore at some point in their lives. Or whatever. Right, right. And it doesn't have to be, like, this big, like, hush-hush kind of thing. But mm -hmm. the United States is one of those places where, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And so it, it's just, like, people get cold sores. They just do. It's fine. Let's take care of them. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, my connection here is really just to say that that agitated state of the nerve tissue itself... Uh, the agitated response, you know, of your immune system uh, to what's going on with the virus, that is directly connected to mental and emotional agitation. Of course, it's gonna it's gonna agitate you if you wake up and be like, "Oh, there's that cold sore on the lip again." <laughs> thought I thought I knocked that out, but it's back. Oh man! So there's that piece of it. But also, of course, that's much more likely to be your morning wake up news when you're super stressed out, mm -hmm. when you're really anxious, when. You know, there's a lot of other troubles in your life. And so it's just that one extra thing stacked up on top, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so lemon balm can be helpful there in that response moment. Um, and lemon balm is not just helpful because it can calm your nerves, but I do think that that's a really big part of how it helps, right? Uh, a lot of times we'll talk about lemon balm. We, again, the, the American herbalists, yeah, the people, <laughs> we'll talk about lemon balm and be like, yeah, yeah, it's got great antiviral activity to the herpes family. So, you know, get yourself a... A poultice, a compress, a, a liniment, a, a cream, you know, with lemon balm in it, and put that right onto those cold sores and it will fight them off. And it does. It does directly do that. Uh, but again, uh, I always advise people, if you're going to work with lemon balm topically, like also drink a whole bunch of it. Get, yeah. it. get it internally. And not just because the chemistry will circulate and some of it will come up to that spot and work on that problem from the inside, but also from the other inside from the emotional inside, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. If we can release some tension, release some anxiety, create more calm, that will reduce the severity and the length of these outbreaks. And for the record, it's not just lemon balm. Most of the aromatic mint fam, most of the uh, aromatic contingent of the mint family does have this action. But I also feel like, you know, we've always, we, like, like, I don't know, the, like, United States herbal community, whatever, uh, has always said, like, lemon balm is antiviral against herpes. Um, I'm not certain that that is 100% accurate in the way that we think up about the word antiviral. Like, I think that um, there is some, there is some real potential for some direct like viral inhibition 
action. Yeah, right. But the yeah, lemon balm's one of these where like, you know, we've done studies, okay, take a lemon balm extract and take some virus culture in your petri dish and you squirt the extract on it and you see the virus die. And that's cool. And that is super directly relevant to those topical applications, mm-hmm. you know, you put it right on to the spots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's seen. But I think there's also like if if you think about the word anti-inflammatory and this is also a problematic word um, like any time that we're using crossover medical words to talk about herbs, it is problematic because they don't fit quite accurately. But it's also that these words are in our vernacular, and so they're very comfortable for people to reach for. But if you think about inflammation in a nerve, that's overexcitation. That is like overstimulation. That is like if you think about what would something red and hot look like in the nervous system. It would look like agitation and irritation and short temperness and combativeness. Mm -hmm. Um, Uncomfortable sensitivity. Right, right, right. Hypersensitivity. And so I, I think that when we're thinking about lemon balm in its ability to fight off this particular virus and also to be helpful in other viruses that attack nerves, um, to really recognize that it is not only about the ability to inhibit the individual virus itself, right. but also the ability to calm the nerves. That it, and that you know when we're talking about um, physiological pathogens in this kind of way, the idea of like a relaxant is like, no, I don't need to just calm down. I need to kill this virus, you know? (laughs) And it's like, no, that, especially when we're talking about the nervous system, that actually is all wrapped up in the same thing. It is reducing the inflammation, the irritation, the agitation of the nerve cell itself. And that is part of making the cell less hospitable to the virus. And then also, oh, great, we, we have some direct antiviral kinds of mm-hmm. actions to varying degrees. Also fine. But, um, you know, I think that in our culture, we don't value relaxation very much. Um, and we certainly don't. Uh, give enough credit to the to the actual physiological therapeutic value of relaxing. Yeah, relaxation is sort of a luxury, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, or it's perceived as a luxury rather than a necessity. And um, you know, of course, that's because for a lot of folks, it really is, and it's not one afforded to them by uh, by circumstances. I, I and think stru- that... like not just circumstances, but structures that are built to <laughs> right. prevent them from being able to access it. So, I mean, you know, not to. And I think it's like twofold too. It's like particularly insidious because on one hand, we have built systems that, that mean that only privileged people have the space in which to relax. But then also we've built a culture that says, uh, it, you are relaxing too much. You're, you're slovenly now, you know, Mm -hmm. you're slothful now. And if you'd like to relax appropriately, well, I have a $500 a night spa getaway for you. Right, right, uh, right, right. That's, that's the right place for relaxation. Right, yeah. just just for your one night and mm-hmm. then go back to the grind yeah. and whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, it's okay to relax longer if you can afford $500 a night for multiple there you nights. Go, yeah. yeah, then it's okay to relax Clearly more. you've earned it. You know? Yes, clearly you've earned it. <laughs> right. All right, well. <laughs> the reality is that the human body requires... 
time to relax. Relaxation is anti-inflammatory. Like, yeah, I'm feeling like I need some lemon balm to uh, steam off some of this. There's <laughs> 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 righteous anger here, you know. Uh, yeah, so so lemon balm for everybody. Uh, a lemon balm bush on every corner. Yeah, and then we can all get in the habit of uh, grabbing a leaf off of them. Having as a we, nice nibble. As we uh, march off to our destinations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would I think that would be very helpful. If there's any city planners in the audience, then uh... I mean we've got we get the linden trees in the cities mm-hmm, already, mm-hmm. so we just need the lemon balm. And... Yeah, yeah. Selective uh, community planting for uh, community immunity and community uh, harmony. Yes, How about that? I like this. That seems good. I like this. Right. Lemon balm, a community builder. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you for being part of our community by uh, listening to our podcast this week and every week, right? Every week. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget to check out our courses online. You'll find them all at online.commonwealthherbs.com. And especially if you've been interested in the Family Herbalist Program, check out the new tuition schedule uh, where you can grab that for just $25 a month. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this week. We'll be back next time with some more Holistic Herbalism podcasts. Until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Drink some tea. Or have a catnip and lemon balm sandwich. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.